Welcome to God, Sex, and You. I'm your host, Dustin Daniels. On today's show, we're going to talk about things in life that you are not expecting. You know, things like when the boss calls you into his office and says that you've been laid off. Or you get the, uh, the phone call from the doctor and the test results are in and he wants you to come in ASAP. When your precious 14-year-old little girl comes home and she tells you that she's pregnant. Or maybe your wife finds the pornography on your computer. And, you know, whether these, these things are self-inflicted or not, life is all about the unexpected. So the question becomes, how are you going to respond when, not if, but when these things happen in your life? Well, my guest today is Jeff Kemp. Jeff's story is an amazing story. He spent 11 years in the NFL. He was the quarterback for the Rams, the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Eagles. And if that wasn't impressive enough, and this is so cool, Jeff and his father, Jack, Jack Kemp, were the first father-son NFL quarterbacks in history. Isn't that fun? Amazing. Well, let's get right to it. Here's my interview with Jeff Kemp. We are discussing his book. It's titled Facing the Blitz. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Dustin. It's great to be with you, and thanks for everything that you do. Hey, thank you, sir. We are uh, we're excited to have you on. You have written a book, and it's called Facing the Blitz. Give us an overview of, of the book, and what is a blitz for those of us who are not uh, too familiar with football. Well, Facing the Blitz is a football title. Um, blitzes are the, the dangerous moments in the game when the defense throws a whole bunch of people at the offense, more than they can block. Quarterback's likely to get hit, end up on his back. Uh, but the Blitz is also uh, a great moment of opportunity because the defense can't cover as many receivers down the field. Um, and the opportunity for man-to-man coverage and perhaps a big touchdown pass sometimes results in the greatest plays of the game, even though maybe the quarterback ended up on his back. Uh, (laughs) But it really depends upon being prepared for blitzes, responding to them, and coming together in teamwork and having players who kind of look out for one another, sacrifice for each other, change what they're doing, adapt, uh, and uh, come together with a strategy that can seize opportunities, not just say, oh, no, they're coming to hit us. Um, and so that's the football analogy. The subtitle of the book is Three Strategies for Turning Trials into Triumphs, kind of like you turn a, a dangerous blitz into a touchdown. Um, our problems in life, which are coming, not necessarily at times that we can predict, certainly, um, but we know they're going to come. Jesus, in fact, said, in this world you're going to get blitz, but don't panic, I overcame the blitz. That's the NFL version. You must read the NIV or the American uh, Standard or something. I love that. Um, I, lo- I love that. That's John 16:33. Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Yeah. But do not panic. I have overcome the world. Um, Jesus has told us that the model in this fallen world with a rebellious Satan who has his influences uh, running around doing negative things, and uh, we humans have selfishness, which leads us to do negative things. And sometimes we initiate negative things in our own life, like you mentioned in your intro. And sometimes the negative things happen to us. Um, certainly, you know, your company firing you or that um, diagnosis at the doctor's office of cancer or sure. a drunk driver um, hitting someone you love in your family and either terribly injuring them or even killing them. Um, you know, we, 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 we can't stop bad things from happening, but we can 
have an attitude that responds to them well. We can deepen our faith in Jesus Christ and, like Him, actually grow through obedience in our sorrows and our sufferings. And we actually can have our tough things, our trials and our tribulations, our blitzes, we can have them turn into positives. Chuck Colson went to prison and it ended up leading him to Christ and he started prison ministry. Johnny Erickson Tata broke her neck as a teenager and was uh, mad at God for two years until she had a, a, a new view of life and was mentored and encouraged. And Then she got a ministry to help people with disabilities, Johnny and friends. She became an artist. She became a speaker. She became a messenger of the gospel, but nothing should hold us back from celebrating the biggest gift, which is salvation. And uh, so bad can turn to good. You know, a broken marriage can get you back on track with Jesus. Um, a rescued marriage that recovers from an affair can end up starting a ministry that helps other marriages because it takes so much help to heal from that affair. So that's the perspective of this book, Facing the Blitz, Three Strategies for Turning Trials into Triumphs. I, I love that, Jeff, and, and I I couldn't agree more. I mean, my my story is one of being an addict for 20 years of my life and wow. and 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 really looking at my gosh without Jesus Christ I ran my life into this ditch over and over and over again and I kept running from everyone and everything my life obviously changes drastically when you meet Jesus he is the lover of our souls and and just like you said he takes all of this sin and rebellion and he 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 was actually teaching me what not to do <laughs> when I now minister to people who are doing the very same thing that, that I did. So it's amazing yep. to me how God prepares us. Even, he loves us so much that even when we rebel, he's going to turn that for good. If we're humble, if we're repentant, if we're willing, if we have a, an unbelievable desire, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I love your take on John sixteen thirty three, And as I was reading your book, Jeff, it was like, Okay, facing the blitz is like facing reality. Yeah. And and Jesus Christ, yeah. he was blitzed, wasn't he? And well, if you, if you look at it, Dustin, all of history um, is a story of a brutal blitz where Satan rebelled out of pride, and in his rebellion, created the destruction of the perfect life that God intended for us, because Adam and Eve followed that same pattern and listened to his deception, and then came the, the blitz upon humanity of the curse and the fall, and so now we have all this imperfect stuff, some of which, you know, I, I didn't cause some of this. The, the origin of this is Satan. Um, but then Jesus Christ came in God's rescue mission to turn the blitz from bad to good, and the, and the very strategy that God used for Jesus to reconcile the world to himself, to wipe out our sin, to give us that eternal perfect life with him again, the kingdom that starts now in our heart and someday will be perfected in a new recreated world. Um, the very strategy is Jesus underwent the ultimate blitz of all time. Mm. He comes expecting, people expecting a conquering hero, and he ends up washing feet and having meals with prostitutes and tax collectors and training 12 guys instead of being famous amongst the millions. And then he, 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 after washing his feet and going to the garden, he says, Father, I'd rather not drink the cup of dying on the cross and bearing the sin of the world and being separated from you and having the wrath of all sin upon myself. But not my will, thy will be done. And then he goes ahead and allows himself to be falsely um, accused, falsely convicted, beaten, scourged, dragged through the streets, nailed to a cross. And while he's on the cross, 
bearing our sin, he's actually ministering to his mother and John, saying, your mother and son to each other from now on, and to the, 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 the criminal on his right, uh, who said, truly, you must be the man of God. Could you remember me when you get to heaven? And he says, yes, you'll be in paradise with me today. So Jesus on the cross showed us that blitzes turn for good. His death purchased our life. My guest today is Jeff Kemp, former NFL quarterback, and his book is called Facing the Blitz, Three Strategies for Turning Trials into Triumph. You can learn more about Jeff and his book by visiting FacingTheBlitz.com. And when we return, we're going to talk, how does the Blitz relate to purity? Well, hey, guys, I hope you're enjoying today's podcast. And if you are enjoying today's podcast, you may enjoy my book. It's titled The Sex Spiral, Forgiven and Free from Pornography. And what the spiral will do is it's going to teach you God's design for sexuality and how to exit the triggers of porn addiction. Not only do I have the regular book on the website right now, there's also uh, the audio series which includes 35 audio lessons from yours truly, over 11 hours worth of teaching, and a 200-page workbook. So the audio series may be your next step. You can jump on the website at dustindaniels.org for more information. Now, let's get back to our interview here with Jeff Kemp discussing Facing the Blitz. Jeff, before the break, we were talking about this idea of relationships and this idea of purity. And you you mentioned in your book, investor versus consumer relationships. And when you look at that through the lens of purity, can you give us some thoughts? Yeah, I can. Um, Let me me do a recap real quick of what facing the blitz strategies are all about. Um, There's three strategies for facing life's problems to turn them to positives. One is take a long-term view. Two is be willing to change and mature and be different. Let God conform you to the image of Christ. Get more humble, more other-centered. Uh, learn to listen, okay? Um, stop using something that's destroying you. Stop using people and loving money. Start loving people and using money. So be willing to change. And then number three is um, learn to bless other people. Don't focus on yourself. Focus on blessing other people. So that third strategy is, is not easy to do unless you have a team approach to life and you're willing to be an investor, not a consumer. And that's what we're talking about here. Um, that relationships in America and this modern era of advertising and consumption have kind of fallen into the pattern of consumer because we're trained and told that we're consumers. Everything's about us. Everything should make us happy. Uh, we should trade in this car, get a new one, lease that one. Don't be satisfied with what you have. Um, and that creates a, a, a self-centered selfishness that drains the value from relationships and is always taken and not given. Some people call them 50-50 relationships. We're all put in 50, you put in 50. But we're, all, we all, we're always a bad measure of distance when we're talking about meeting you halfway. Um, <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> so well, pretty soon the, the relationship is drained of the goodwill, the generosity, the kindness, the forgiveness, um, the humility, and the other-centeredness. And that's what makes marriages break up. That's why dating relationships fall apart. That's why cohabiting relationships have a, a much less successful rate of success than married relationships. And that's also, though, why many marriages today have broken up and many struggle, because we've let consumerism slip into relationships and marriage. And your, your awareness and expertise 
with sexual addiction, sexual temptation, uh, pornographic counterfeits, etc. That's a, a perfect example, a tragic example, of how we have consumerized sex, God's beautiful, intimate um, gift for human bonding and marriage, for expressing um, oneness, for giving pleasure rather than taking pleasure and having it come back to you as a byproduct, and finally for bearing children and being fruitful and multiplying. Uh, we've counterfeited that sex. So here's the analogy that helps us understand relationships and combat consumerism in marriage, combat consumerism with sex, combat consumerism in dating. Um, it's, the, it's the analogy between uh, being a consumer and an investor. And I'll explain it to you this way. In pro football, they teach the quarterbacks that their job is to throw the football to a one-foot diameter of accuracy right in front of the receiver, making it easy for the receiver to catch. Don't throw it high so his ribs get blown up or behind him so someone catches him and hits him. Make it perfect so he can succeed. The quarterbacks invest in the wide receiver to make him look good, make it easy. But the wide receivers are told, wherever the ball is, if you can touch it, you must catch it. Jump up. Catch it. Get your hip, ribs hit. Miss six games. We'll put another player in for you. Make the quarterback look good. Make the team succeed. You serve and invest in the quarterback who's investing in you. And the linemen are investing in everyone by sacrificing themselves and blocking. That investor mentality leads to success. But if everyone acted like a consumer and receivers only wanted perfect passes and receivers and quarterbacks wanted receivers to, to catch anything they throw, all of a sudden, no one would have high standards, and they wouldn't treat each other well, and you'd have no teamwork, no catches, no first downs, no touchdowns, no success, no Super Bowl. Sure. Wow. So now think about your relationship. Are you looking to get from your spouse or to give to your spouse? Do you view sexuality as something that has you have a whole set of dreams and ideas and fantasies that you've collected over the years watching movie, TVs, and pornography, and you're trying to get someone to play that game and make you happy to fill your stimulated uh, uh, life, that's a consumer in sex. Or are you thinking, I want to demonstrate my lifelong loyalty, and I want to please this other person, and I want to find out what, what really makes them happy. And if I'm married, then even in the sexual relationship, I want to be an investor in that other person, not a consumer from them. And most men need to wake up and realize that wives are dying for relational intimacy. They want to know that you choose them again and again after the wedding, not just on that one day or the honeymoon. They want to know that you put them first. They want to know that you're loyal. Uh, they, they want to know that you're interested in them, that you remember things about them. They don't expect you to be perfect, but they do expect you to apologize rather than defend yourself. All those are investor characteristics, to apologize first, to forgive first, to set a date and say, let's date, honey, to say, honey, let's go to a marriage conference and improve our marriage. Um, I'm setting aside some time. I'm going to click off ESPN and turn and talk to you. That's an investor husband, and that'll create a great marriage, and there'll be many more assets for years to come in that marriage than if we act like consumers. <laughs> My friend has a sign on his mirror that says, would I want to be married to me? And it reminds him every day to flip the switch from selfish little consumer to an unselfish Jesus-like investor in his wife. Yeah, I don't want to be married to me. I don't even like me most of the time, Jeff. You know, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things. So, you, you know, you've played for, for several NFL teams, but you mentioned in your book that marriage is the ultimate team. Can you say more on that? Yeah. Um, my son one time said, Daddy, you guys are too different to be married. He was listening to my wife and I having a disagreement because mm. we have outrageously different personalities. And I said, no, 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 Keegan. I got down on my knees. He was five years old. I said, the reason Mommy and Daddy are married is because we are so different. 
just mm-hmm. like linemen and receivers are very – linemen and running backs are totally different, but they do roles that help each other. And quarterbacks are very different than receivers, but they do things that help each other. Mommy and Daddy are different because God made men and women very different. And he even, even brings people with opposite personalities together so they can make a great team. So if you think about the ultimate team, male and female, he created them. In his image, he created them. Male do- doesn't represent all of God's image. Female doesn't represent all of God's image. But together, in unity, in relationship, we do represent his image. And in Ephesians 5.32, it says actually that marriage is an amazing metaphor, a picture. It's a, it's a, it's a mystery that reflects Christ's unconditional agape love for the church. And really, we ought to be practicing our marriage commitment in the same way that God has demonstrated his love by dying on the cross um, to give his life for us. And that's the loyalty. So the ultimate team on earth is marriage. The ultimate marriage eternally will be the marriage with God in heaven. And the Bible starts in Genesis with a, with a, with a marriage, and it, it ends in Revelation with a, with a wedding banquet. So... Um, the most important picture on earth of God's love is marriage, and we, we Christians need to model it well if we want to attract people to the gospel, and if we want to disciple our kids to love Jesus. We need an honest, authentic, not perfect, reconciling, humble, forgiving, committed, dating, still, still having fun uh, marriage, the ultimate team. A- absolutely. I-, I love that because when I do some premarital counseling, Jeff, and it's like the the young man in front of me just wants to marry another version of himself and he doesn't realize what you just said is that the there's beauty in being so different you're equal but different um, yeah, equal but different you even have you even have different roles i mean yeah. the bible tells husbands to uh take responsibility for the relationship die to yourself be the first one to initiate the healing of the relationship that's the jesus type leadership it's not a, a bossy um you know military general um, and wives are meant to be helpers because husbands need so much help, and the Holy Spirit is, is called the helper in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit is equal to Jesus, and it's equal to the Father. So men and women are totally equal, but we have these amazing team roles that God designed, and when we buck against those roles, we end up messing up our relationships. Humility, selflessness, Christ-filled, Holy Spirit-powered loving is what marriage is meant to be about, and it makes all the difference. How important is it when, when you are facing this blitz not to face it alone? You got to have friendships. You got to have community, correct? Oh, you totally do. You know, the, the verse for facing blitzes that, that I am, uh, amplify in the book is Romans 5, 3 through 5. It says, we don't just rejoice in our salvation, which is the primary huge thing we, we rejoice in. But it says we also rejoice in blitzes. We call it tribulation and trials because they bring about perseverance in our relationship to Jesus and character like Jesus and hope in heaven. And more of God's love is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit when we're going through tough times and we realize God is our ultimate answer. But you know what? To practice those principles is meant to be done in teamwork. God made us to be uh, the body, you know? We're the masterpiece, you and me and my wife and me and your your wife and you. Together, all of us are the masterpiece, not us solo. So you better be humble enough to say, I'm going through a blitz. I need help. I'm stuck with pornography. I need help. I, I, I'm, I'm out of work, and I need to find a job. Can you help me find a job? Uh, my, my kid is off the rails, and I don't know what to do. Can you mentor me in fathering? That's what, those are the linemen of this world. Mm. God has us to be helpers to others and to get help from others. That's the body of Christ. So teamwork is crucial to facing blitzes and then 
you actually become a blessing to other people, which is in your life story. You now are setting people free from that which had you in bondage for 20 years. You didn't just get out of chains. You went on the offensive, and you're breaking others' chains. That's the value of blitzes. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast with Jeff Kemp as we talked about his book, Facing the Blitz. If you'd like some more information on Jeff's book, you can head over to facingtheblitz.com. If you're new to the podcast, hey man, welcome. Glad you're listening. Um, Jump on the website, my website at dustindaniels.org. You can find out some more information on me. I've got a book that deals with purity, audio series that I just mentioned, and then also if you're looking for some counseling in the areas of addiction, you can jump on the website there and uh, schedule an appointment. I don't counsel the way the world counsels, by the way. I don't do these in, in these little micro 50-minute blocks. That's just not enough time. Uh, so you can jump on the website, learn about that. In the meantime, I pray that you are committed to a Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-filled, Bible-believing church this weekend, and uh, that you are plugged in to a small group and you are growing in the the grace and the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, next week, we're going to be listening to an interview with one of my dear friends. He's a colleague, and he was a mentor. Dr. Mark Laser. Mark is now with the Lord, and we all miss him very, very much. Mark has left a legacy, and he has many, many books. He has a counseling ministry that is left in very, very capable hands, and he also has interviews. I think I have maybe four to six interviews with Mark. And next week, I wanted to review this particular interview with him. It's on his book, titled The Fight of Your Life, and we're going to be discussing what your brain does, what happens to you from a physiological perspective when it's overstimulated with sexual sin. It is a fascinating conversation. Talking with Mark always is. Uh, I, I loved this man. So that's what we have to look forward to next week. Well, the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 4.20, The kingdom of God isn't just a lot of talk. It's living, and it's living in God's power. And that power, guys, is the very name, and it's the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I love you guys. See you next week.